0: Okay, let's dive into God's Word together. We're going to be in the book of Philippians today, and we're going to be a little bit all over it, mostly in chapter 1, but you, you, but kind of all over the book today, um, and we're going to talk about living with joy, and so I want to talk to you about that because, you know, joy, as we wrap up this series on emotions, is, is more than an emotion, right? It's more than an emotion. And, um, and Christian joy in particular is unique, and so I, I really want to hone in on that idea of, this, of Christian joy. And, um, and, and it's more than an emotion in the Christian life because it's, it's something that you can have even when you're sad, right? Even when you're sad. You can be filled with sorrow but still have joy. You can be sad and have something to rejoice in. And so we understand that Christian joy can be complex, It can be very complex. Uh, The world's broken, we're sinners, we sin, people sin against us, we get hurt, we suffer, we go through pain, and at times we're sad. However, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all of it, we can live with joy, and we know that's true because God commands us to, He encourages us to, and he, he doesn't He doesn't urge and command His children to do anything, as we've said before. That He doesn't um, give us, that doesn't empower us to be able to do. So today, I want to share with you some characteristics of Christian joy from the Book of Philippians, because the Christian life should be lived with joy. It should be a joy filled life, and if our life is filled with these characteristics, I believe we can we can live with joy because these things that characterize Christian joy in Philippians are things that should. Characterize the Christian life; they should characterize the Christian life. So, the book of Philippians. Paul wrote Philippians um, from prison, which is is interesting because Paul is in prison, and the book that he mentions joy the most in is what, what is produced while he's there. Uh, the word joy or, or or one of its variants is mentioned 14 times throughout the book. Uh, one, one, one person pointed out it was three and a half times per chapter, whereas usually in Paul's writings you see it about one half of a time per chapter. In other words, I mean, many, many, many times more joy is talked about in Philippians than any of Paul's writings. It is the joy book, and he wrote it from a prison cell. He's overflowing with joy. He's encouraging and commanding joy and he's doing it all from a prison cell. Now, I don't know about you, but I can learn a lot from someone like that. You know, circumstances in our country today, they're not great. They're not great. There's a, there's a lot of things to tempt us to despair as we talked about um, last week. You know, the CDC website is where I got this information. They produced this here in this, the last few days. Uh, this, uh, they gave this report uh, on a study they did back in June. It says during June 24th through June 30th, U.S. adults reported considerably elevated adverse mental health conditions associated with COVID-19. Younger adults, racial ethnic minorities, essential workers, and unpaid adult caregivers reported having experienced disproportionately worse mental health outcomes, increased substance abuse, and elevated suicidal ideation. Just some stats from that report 31% reported anxiety or depression symptoms. 31% of adults in America reported anxiety or depression symptoms. 26% reported trauma, stressor related disorder symptoms. And 11% seriously considered suicide. And that number, I believe, was around 25% for the ages 18 to 25. Just alarming things and as we mentioned last week showing us that so much that's at stake uh, in this pande- in, in this pandemic it's more than about than, than even about physical health so if you're struggling, you're not alone. You're not alone. Uh, Americans are struggling. People all over the world are struggling. Here's the thing. I think most people are looking for joy in this season. We want to experience joy in all seasons of life. And a lot of things people rejoice in and, and find joy in were affected over the last six months. Health, economy, community, sports, sports hobbies, you name it. All good good things, but things that have been affected and impacted by this. So we need a joy that runs deeper and that runs steadier than the things of this world. So look with me in Philippians, starting in chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to skip down and read verses 15 through 21, and then we'll be going to some other places in Philippians as we go. So look with me, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons Grace to you and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you for you all making my prayer with joy Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now Now look with me. Let's skip down now to verse 15. That's Paul's intro Down in verse 15, he says, he's talking about some people here. He he moves forward in the letter, and he begins to talk about some people who were trying to kind of bug him, torment him, and harass him by preaching the gospel. Okay, so they had really bad motives in doing it. This is what Paul says about it, starting in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So major themes in the book of Philippians are joy. You got that one, right? Another major theme is, is Jesus, right? He talks about Jesus a lot in Philippians. You're like, well, it's the Bible. It's the Apostle Paul. Of course he talks about Jesus a lot. But yeah, much like joy, he talks about Jesus and life in Christ and what it means to know Christ and what it means to love Christ, what it means to rejoice in Christ, about the Christian life and about Jesus. More here. I mean, it's like, it's a it's a packed book about joy and about Jesus, uh, it just is filled with it. So the first thing we need to understand, and you can see it right here right here in the beginning of the book. That's the first thing we need to understand about Christian joy is this. Number one, Christian joy is centered on Jesus Christ. Christian joy is centered on Jesus Christ. Real joy, real joy, eternal joy, everlasting joy is centered on Jesus Christ. Paul calls himself and Timothy in Timothy at the beginning of the book, servants of Christ Jesus. Do you think... Let me ask you, do you think when you think of the word servant, do you think of that as being a a joyful position? Right? Think about that. He's he's introducing himself here as a servant of Jesus Christ, and then he's going to write this treatise, if you will, this whole book on on joy. Probably not something that you you associate together, being a servant and being joyful. We think about it as being humbling, right? It's a position of submission to the one you serve, but Paul writes with joy as a servant. Now, why is that? Because Jesus gives joy, and he gives his servants joy. Jesus promised in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is concerned about your joy. He wants your joy to be full. Real joy, lasting joy, eternal joy is found in knowing and loving, and yes, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, obeying Jesus. If you look at the context of John 15, 11, he's talking about obeying his commands. And he goes into our joy being made full. Over in Philippians 4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice where? In the Lord. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says the same thing. Rejoice in the Lord. Do you remember the old acronym? Some of you have heard this, uh, joy, joy. J, Jesus, O, others, and Y, you, right, and getting them in the right order. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. Joy begins with Jesus, and it begins with him being preeminent in your life, your life being centered on him. He is the giver of joy. He's the one we rejoice in. He is the source of real joy. Paul says in verse 5 that he prays with joy because of their partnership in the gospel. The gospel is the message of Jesus. It's the good news of who Christ is and what he's done. Paul's joy was centered on the Lord Jesus, and it sprung from Jesus and his his gospel. Not from the things Paul had accomplished. Not from what he had or didn't have. Not from his circumstances. His joy sprung from Christ. It was rooted in the gospel. In verses 15 through 18 that we read, I told you, there was, there was a group of people who, while preaching Christ, they were doing it with the wrong motives. It seems likely that it was a group that had, uh, had uh, preached, a, I guess you would call it a clear enough gospel that it wasn't heresy, right? Uh, but people were being genuinely saved, but they had a motive to hurt Paul. They had wrong motives in what they were doing. And um, ultimately, their desires were selfish and to prop themselves up, and, to, and they, were, they were really trying to harass the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. And Paul's point is that no matter why they do it, the gospel's going forth so people can be saved. And so in that, I rejoice. I rejoice in the proclamation of the gospel. Paul was willing to be mocked. He was fine with someone else getting glory. Um, Yeah, he was grieved by their selfishness, but he rejoiced. Why? Because the good news about Jesus was going forth. See, when your joy is centered on Jesus, and when he's the source, when he's the reason, when you have the joy he gives, you want to see the gospel go forward, the gospel that brought you joy, right? You want to see it declared to, others. In verses 20 and 21, Paul even notes that when he thinks of his being delivered from jail, he knows something, that Christ is going to be glorified in his body, either by life, because he's going to get out and go preach Jesus some more, or by death. And then you have that great verse that to live is Christ, to, to die is gain. Paul's joy is centered on Jesus. If he lives, he gets to live for Jesus, share Jesus and honor Jesus. If he dies, he gets to be with Jesus. No matter what, life or death, Jesus gets glory and Paul gets to honor Jesus. See, real joy comes through knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus. Anything else we look to can't last. It may make us happy for a while, but something's gonna strip us of it. Suffering can strip us of it. Death can strip us of it. It's not going to last forever. It might last for a really long time, but it's not gonna provide the deep kind of joy that Christ can provide, and it's not gonna be steady in all seasons. Yes, your job can bring you joy. Your accomplishments can bring some joy. Your your family can bring joy. Your hobbies, but they can also disappoint you. They can also be lost. They can be shaken. They can't provide eternal joy that can't be shaken. You know, I um, do kind of make a point here with this with this sponge. You know, if I could take this sponge and I can fill it with a little water, right? You know, and um, and then I can take it over here and I can drain that water out, and I can only drain as much water out of the sponge as I put into the sponge, right? As I as I as I, as I absorbed into the sponge, and so if if you think about this as being something you get joy from, like your family, your hobbies, your accomplishments, whatever it is, um, it's limited. And and you can go over there, man, and and you can kind of, your life, you know, kind of, you sap up some joy and you just squeeze all the joy out of that that you can get out of whatever that whatever that is, whatever that thing is for you. And we do it over and over. And sometimes we live that way, right? We, we go around and, we, and, and we're and we trying to get joy from this and we're trying to get joy from this and our family, our friends, our accomplishments, our money, our possessions. And at some point, but it, it's all limited. At some point, the sponge is dry, right? There, there's, there's nothing left. Some point, everything runs out. Now, here's the thing. If you want joy that doesn't run out, if you want joy that's eternal, if you want joy that's steadfast, you need a greater source. You need a greater source. <laughs> you need something bigger. You need something better. And this doesn't do justice to illustrate what comes, what we get in Jesus, because it's infinite and it's eternal. And this is obviously not. But see, in this, all right, man, the, the sponge can just be man. It can just absolutely be soaked, right? And then you can take now your life when you go over here. You've got so much joy because Jesus says He's going to give us the fullness of joy. And and now when, when you're over here, and whether it's uh, work or whether it's family life, or whether it's your hobbies, or whether it's whatever you're doing in life, you've got joy. It. And, and, and Jesus brings, gives you joy to bring into all of those things. In all those seasons, in all those circumstances, whatever is going on in your life, you've got joy because you've got an endless supply. And you just keep going back. And you have more and more joy. And it never runs out. That's the difference. That's the difference in a life centered on the Lord Jesus. You have a source for joy that's not going to run out. You have a source for joy that's not going to go dry. That in all seasons of life, and you have someone in Jesus that increases your joy and makes life better, makes life more worth living, and so that when you go through life, no matter what you're dealing with, There's a a root cause of of joy there. We need a Christ-centered joy. Center your life on the Lord Jesus Christ if you want joy. Number two, uh, Christian joy is rooted in an attitude of gratitude. It's rooted in an attitude of gratitude. Look at verses three and four. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, he said, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. I thank my God. See, Philippians is not just a joy letter. It's a thank you letter. That's technically what it is. It's a thank you letter to the Philippians for for their service to Paul and their gift to Paul. Paul is praying with joy as he gives thanks to God. He's thanking thanking God for them. (laughs) He's giving thanks to God for them. He's thankful for them and he's thankful to God. So you can sense this throughout the book. In chapter 4 verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but, now, but you had no opportunity. So I, I rejoiced, why? Because you're concerned for, for me. He's, he's showing gratitude. In verse 14, he says, "You know, he says, it's not about the need, but he says in verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, right? He's grateful because they're sharing his trouble. Joy and gratitude are connected in this book. Joyful people are thankful people. Thankful people will be more joyful. And as Paul remembered, them, he was both filled with yes, joy, but with thanksgiving as he prayed. He's reflecting on, he's remembering what he says their their gospel partnership, their gospel partnership, and as he thinks about that, he's filled with gratitude and joy. See what you remember and what you reflect on has a lot to do with your attitude and whether or not it's one of gratitude. Paul's remembrance of them drove him to uh, to be thankful and joyful while in prison. While in incredibly difficult circumstances, let me ask you, what kind of thoughts do you dominate your life? And in particular, what kind of thoughts dominate your life in adversity? What kind of prayers do you pray in particular? What kind of prayers do you pray when you're going through adversity? Paul's in adversity, right? And his prayers, he says, I thank my God his prayers are thankful. And and he's remembering something to be thankful for, which is them. and, And his prayer is joyful and thankful even in the midst of adversity see even in our laments we we, we, we were in psalms last week and we looked at a, a, a psalm of lament even in our laments there should be gratitude you know sometimes you may imagine someone in prison and they're over there and they're, they're they've got a piece of chalk and they're not like making marks on the wall for every day they're in prison right just angry that they're in prison waiting to get especially if they're there wrongfully can you imagine being imprisoned wrongfully like Paul is here, really, right? He, sh- he shouldn't be in prison, but here he is in prison. And so he could be one of those people that's got like the little piece of chalk or the little sharp, sharp object, and he's over there by the bedside, and he's carving the- every day, right? And he's just angry, he's digging into the wall, marking on the wall. Another day here, another day here. Over in another corner, he's writing down the names of all the people he wants vengeance on, right? He could do that. He could have that kind of bitterness. And- but-, but no, 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 not at all. He is grateful. He's grateful for this church. He, he is joyful. Uh, he is thankful to God. He, he has an attitude that is rooted in gratitude and it produces a joyful life in all seasons. And so the things that you remember, the things that you think on, the things that you give remembrance to, uh, they're going to begin to impact your attitude. We need to remember and reflect on things that drive us to gratitude. Remember God's forgiveness. Remember God's love for you. Remember God's patience. Remember God's provision for you. Remember the goodness of God. Remember the people that God has blessed you with, the people in your life that have encouraged you and blessed you, like the Philippians had the apostle Paul. Gratitude is a guard against bitterness, and it's a guard against selfishness and other things that will kill your joy. It takes some level of humility to say thank you, doesn't it? it's a confession of our need and our dependence on the Lord when we tell him thank you because it, it, we, we, we need him. So get your mind on what you're thankful for. It will impact your experience of joy. It's a Christian joy is rooted in an attitude of gratitude. But number three, it's strengthened by Christian fellowship. Christian joy is strengthened by Christian fellowship. In verse 4, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we keep coming back to this verse. That word partnership, partnership in the gospel, something that's bringing him joy is he is because of their partnership in the gospel. That's a unique word. It's In the Greek, it's the word koinonia, and you might hear that sometimes. A lot of times it's translated in the Bible Fellowship. Here it's translated partnership. It's a rich word. It speaks to the commonality that believers share in Jesus Christ. It's the fact that in Jesus we've got something in common. We are linked in Christ. So wherever you live in the world, we have a fellowship through Jesus. No matter your background, no matter what you're like, no no matter how much money you have, no matter what race or ethnicity you are, we're all through Jesus. We are connected. We have a commonality. We have a fellowship. We have a partnership. Now here it's translated partnership. Because Paul is speaking specifically to the action of their partnering with him in gospel mission, which is an element of that fellowship that we have together. This was through their financial assistance and standing with him in solidarity, even while he was in prison and participating in his ministry. And Paul prays here with joy because of that partnership, that fellowship, that koinonia that they have in the gospel. See, we need Jesus, but this is a reminder that we need others too. We need other people, and we need other Christians. Christian joy is strengthened by Christian fellowship. If this was true for, for from a church that he was separated from, that wasn't like his home church, you know, the church that he would have worshipped at when he was out of prison, this is a church that he adminis, that he would, would minister to, ministering to him, how much more should it be true of the local church we serve, that we're involved with, that we attend, that's, that's our church? How much more should it be so in those situations? Down in chapter 1, verse 18, and 19, he says, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. See, Paul rejoiced because he knew the prayers of the church would play a role in his deliverance. They are partnering with him, not just financially, but through prayer. And this is a source of joy for Paul. He is His joy is being strengthened by these fellow believers praying for him. Over in chapter 2, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, he says, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind so so here Paul is urging them to church unity right he says by being of the same mind the same love and full accord of one mind that these things will complete his joy the spiritual maturity the unity of this church would contribute to his personal joy. He says, why? Because in Jesus, they are connected. It's koinonia. They're they're connected in Jesus, and Paul loves them, and their unity could strengthen his joy because they're partners, they're members, they're they're, they're together in the gospel. In verses 17 and 18 of chapter 2, he says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, you rejoice with me, I'll rejoice with you. We should rejoice together. Why? Koinonia, partnership, fellowship in the gospel. We're connected in Jesus. In verses 28 and 29, he says, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Now here Paul's referring to Epaphroditus, somebody from Philippi, that they had sent to Paul to minister to him. He had gotten really sick. Paul's sending him back. He had nearly died. And Paul's saying, when you get him back, you rejoice in seeing him. You you celebrate him, right? You receive him with all joy and honor him. Why? Because we're connected in Jesus. It's koinonia. They're partners in the gospel. Chapter 4, verse 10 he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, right? We talked about their concern for him and how grateful he was for that. Well, here we see it's a joy, it's a joy here because this church is concerned for him. It's that, that we're back to that partnership. And their showing, they're, they're showing concern for him brings him joy. See, in Christ, we are connected. We're partners. We're one community of faith. North Park Church is a one local expression of that partnership. We are a, a, we are partnering together as one body, one local church, and our partnering should bring us joy. Our fellowship should bring us joy. Our koinonia should bring us joy. Our seeing one another should bring us joy, as Paul points to here. Our concern for one another, our prayers for one another should bring us joy, and we should rejoice. When we rejoice, we should rejoice together. We, we should enjoy life together. We should... Walk in joy together, we we can't do this if we slander one another, gossip one another, sin against one another, belittle one another. We can't do this if we neglect the the fellowship of of, of believers uh, together. We can't do that. See, partnership requires participation, right? We have to be involved. We have to be connected to the body in some way. As as this church was here, we see they're they're, they're praying for him. They're financially partnering together. They're they're connected. They're sending people to ministering to him. Even though they're miles apart, they're staying connected. We've got to participate. Partnership requires participation. You know, uh, you ever uh, in school do a group project? We did those sometimes when I was in school. group. You know, you get the group together, and there's always like the one person in the group that wants to be the leader. You may not want them to be the leader, but they want to be the leader, right? And so they kind of begin to take over the group. But there's also the, another person in the group. No matter how big the group is, every group's going to have at least one of them, maybe more than one. They're just going to kind of slink to the back, and they're going to be like the last person to volunteer to do anything. And if you let them, they'll let everybody else do everything, right? They'll let everybody else do everything, and they won't even show up for the meetings. Oh, we're meeting Wednesday night to talk about They'll just kind of... You know, and kind of, oh, I'm sorry, or they'll be over there. In today's world, they'd be over there on their phone, right? Not realizing what's going on. Then in the end, they get the same grade, right, as everybody else gets, right? Oh, I'm so glad we did this together, but they're not really partnering. And that's not what gospel partnership, that's not what Koinonia is supposed to be about. We're we're in this together, so we all contribute. We're all working together, and this strengthens our joy. We receive joy from what we give. We receive joy from what we receive because it's a two-way street. And as we stir one another to joy, we are to stir one another to joy, do we? Do we? We should be. Are we being strengthened by our Christian fellowship towards joy? Finally, number four, Christian joy is fueled by gospel hope, not circumstances. It's fueled by gospel hope, not our circumstances. Let's go back um, to chapter one, verses 18 through 21. I'm gonna read that again. And, and, and think about, The the, the tone of hope here in paul's words. Yes, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of jesus christ This will turn out for my deliverance showing hope So it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed But that with full courage now as always christ will be honored in my body Whether by life or by death for to me to live is christ and to die is gain Paul says he rejoices as he is confident of his deliverance, and that word can point both to pointing uh, to getting out of prison or to future salvation. And obviously, you know, it, 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 this whole working, this whole passage, commentators point out how there's a there's a semblance of that, of kind of like the last day and the great resurrection and and Christ's return and all that. But at the same time, the idea of him getting out of prison, and Paul seems confident that he's going to get out of prison. But at the same time, there's, there's a little bit of a, a double speak here because he also, he wants to give you this kind of hint. He wants to say, but even for some reason, if I don't, if I'm wrong, if I think I'm getting out and I'm not, if I think God's getting me out of this situation I'm not, and if I die, I'm still getting out. I'm getting delivered or I'm getting delivered. But either way, I'm getting delivered. So I'm either going to walk out of the prison cell or they're going to pull my body out of the prison cell. But either way, to live as Christ, to die is gain. That's his hope, right? He's talking about, I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be with Jesus. It's it's eternal salvation in Christ. Paul understood this. See, knowing that, knowing that changes everything. Knowing that ultimately to live as Christ. Knowing that ultimately to die is gain for the believer. Changes everything. That's an incredible hope. That's why he could say in chapter 2, if I'm poured out as a drink offering, right, I'm glad and I rejoice. If I I give my life, if I suffer, if I sacrifice, if I even die serving you, at the end of the day, I I rejoice in all of it. Why? Because he had this hope that to live as Christ, to die as gain. See, the Christian joy is not rooted in circumstance. We have an eternal hope. We have a gospel hope. We know that we will experience deliverance from trials. If not in this life, then when Christ returns or we depart this life to be with him, we have that hope. This eternal hope should fuel us. It doesn't mean our trials and difficulties don't make us sad. Of course they do. Jesus is is referred to in the Bible in Isaiah 53 as a man of sorrows, as I mentioned last week. Sorrow is not a sin. In fact, it is abnormal to never feel sorrow. If you're like, I never feel sorrow. Listen, that doesn't make you super godly. Might make you a psychopath, right? We're in a broken world, right? We're in a sinful, broken world. We're going to get sorrowful. Bad things are going to happen. We should feel sorrowful in this world at times. And it, it's, our, our joy at times is even mingled with sorrow. But we have a hope. Our, our Christian joy is a joy that even in the midst of our sorrow we can have because it's rooted in Christ and it's rooted in our, in our future hope. It's rooted in the promise that the die is gain. We can be sorrowful, but it's sorrow grounded in joy. And we can always know, as Psalm 30 says, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. That Ultimately, that's our destiny. It's to be with Christ, out of this broken world, celebrating and rejoicing with him and serving him forever. To live is Christ. Our joy is Christ-centered. To die is gain. Our joy is hope-fueled. If, if in this life, if all we have to look forward to is this life, if there's no hope, if, there, if there's nothing to look to beyond this life, Paul said this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If this life is it, that's depressing. But it's, this life isn't it. This isn't the end. We can have joy in this life and the fact that we know there is more after this life and that, and that, 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 that more is the presence of God, that more is being made like Christ, that more is eternity with Jesus that's fuel. We have fuel for the hard seasons, the long seasons, and the prisons that may await us in this life. The hope is only found, though, that hope is only found through knowing Christ. Gotta, before to die is gain, you've got to have to live as Christ, right? To live as Christ, let me ask you, when you think about that phrase, how, how, what, how would you complete it? If you had to say, to live is blank, right, what would, what, what would that be for you? For Paul, it was to live as Christ. Maybe for you to live as a relationship, to live as my family, to live as a hobby, to live as money, possessions, to live as peace, to live as security, to live as my personal happiness. What is it? To live as pleasure. See, the essence of idolatry is to say to live is, and have that blank there, and for anything other than Jesus to go there. That's the essence of idolatry. Money, romance, power, success, they can all bring temporary joy. We know they can. But none of them can bring the kind of joy that a, that a prison cell can't squash, <laughs> that the threat of death can't shake. Only Jesus can give that kind of joy. Only a life built on Jesus can have that kind of joy. Maybe today your idols have taken their toll on your life. And for you it may be to live as misery, to live as guilt, to live as fear, worry, shame, anger, bitterness. To live as to not be fulfilled. To live as loneliness, hypocrisy, covering up. To live as being on the run. Wh- whatever it may be. H- hiding hiding my sins in my life that I don't want other people to know about. What, what, what is it for you? And maybe you think about it and you go, joy seems impossible for me. It doesn't even seem like a possible reality. And I just want to say to you, it begins with Jesus. Joy begins with Jesus, when taking that blank and erasing whatever's in it and saying to live is Christ, it begins with being able to say that. If you can't say that, if Jesus isn't the center of your life, you can't experience the kind of joy we're talking about today. That's where real joy begins. Only Jesus laid his life down for you. None of the other things in that blank did that. Only Jesus gives fullness of joy. We read some from Isaiah 53 last week. I want to read some again. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, a prophecy about the Messiah says, Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his and, and, and with his wounds we are healed. Listen, joy begins with trusting Jesus because only Jesus is bore our sorrows. Only Jesus has paid for our transgressions and our iniquities. Only Jesus has has borne our our griefs and and carried our sorrows. Only Jesus has done that. And so uh, our only hope of finding eternal joy is looking at Jesus, the Son of God, understanding that he came to this world, loved us so much that he laid down his life, bearing the sin, uh, our sin, bearing the wrath we deserve, bearing our sin on the cross, died for us in our place, was risen from the dead. So that we can know God. And yes, know joy. Everlasting joy through faith in him. Let me ask you, have you turned away from your sin and received Jesus as Lord and Savior? If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do so. He has is, he is risen from the dead. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And he is available today to give you life. And yeah, to give you joy if you'll turn to him in faith. And if you haven't done that, understand that's where joy begins. It begins centered on Jesus. Believer? How is your joy? Do you need to get back to the things that should characterize Christian joy? See, I said at the beginning, these things that characterize Christian joy should characterize your life. Is your life centered on Jesus? Is your attitude rooted rooted in gratitude? Are you being strengthened by Christian fellowship? Are you being fueled by, by gospel hope? Are you being shaken by your circumstances? See, as these things begin to affect our life, impact our life, they'll impact our joy. The same things that characterize Christian joy characterize or should characterize a Christian's life. If you're watching today and you've never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do so now. You can can call on Him. If you turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Him, He will save you. And if you do that or if you've got questions about that, email us at info at gonorthpark.com and either say, I called on the Lord Jesus today. I I trusted him or I've got questions about that. I I would love to pray with you. I'd love to celebrate with you. I'd love to answer questions for you. Whatever you need, reach out to us if you've never trusted Jesus and you'd like to talk about that or if you trust him today and you'd like to share that with us. Believer, if we can pray for you, we want to do that as well. Use that same email, info at gonorthpark.com or call the church if you're a North Parker. And, uh, and, and reach out to us. We, 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 we want to minister to you if there's a way that we can help you in this season. Let's, in all seasons, we, we have access. We have the ability to live life with joy. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the joy that we have in Christ, through Christ, because of the good news of the gospel. Thank you for this rich book of Philippians that you have given us. Um, and, Lord, we pray that as believers in Christ, that our lives would be filled with the kind of joy that is spoken about in this book, that is characterized throughout this book, uh, because we know that that impacts others around us, and, 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 and it, it, it makes life so much sweeter when we live with the joy that Christ gives. I pray for anybody watching today, Lord, that it's never trusted Christ as Lord, as Savior, that even today, that they'd call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Lord, that they would, that they would experience the joy of the Lord, through salvation in Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you'd help us to walk in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.